This is Around the Rim with LaChina Robinson. Hello, basketball fans. It is your favorite time of the week. That's right. It's the new episode of your ESPNW Women's Basketball Podcast, Around the Rim. I am LaChina Robinson, joined by my co-host, one two-time WNBA champion, Deborah Peters, and our fabulous podcast producer, Tarika Foster Brasby. And we're sorry we missed you guys last week. There was a lot going on here, there, and everywhere. But we have an action-packed show for you um, with a lot to talk about, including we'll have a special guest, Nafisa Collier, who's going to join us on the show today. Guys, what's up? Like, just what's what's going on in life? Other than Dev, like, having 15 jobs. Like, <laughs> what are you not involved in right now, Dev? You, you just launched your real estate company. You got WNBA players wearing orange which we'll get to later in the show. Like, what's good? You just trying to be the new Oprah or nah? <laughs> I'm doing a little bit of everything, man. Just trying to stay busy out here. I love it. The tenacity is welcomed. We we get after it around here. Except for Tarika, you know, on the weekends she don't do nothing. So Girl, that, look that's my that's my personal me time. My recovery time. <laughs> Except for your sorority. Shout out to I don't even want to say the name. Sigma Gamma Row Sorority okay. Incorporated. Uh, you know what <laughs> that gold and blue lord actually i went to a wedding last night it's interesting just random conversation real quick but um one of my good friends got married um shannon perry congratulations oh, shannon shannon perry lebeau now but um she's an assistant coach at ucla and the AKAs surrounded her at one point in her wedding and did this beautiful song. And I'd seen it done before. My friend Bianca is also an AKA, so they did this at her wedding. But I'm just like, it was the most beautiful thing. Do you guys ever, well, not you, Tariq, obviously, but maybe Deb, do you ever wish you would have joined a sorority? Or do you feel like basketball is its own sorority? Because that's kind of how I felt in college. Like, I didn't need more girlfriends. I had enough on my team. I actually wanted to be a Delta, but uh, Notre Dame doesn't have fraternities or sororities, so I couldn't pledge with anything. What is that about? Well, that's not the the like. They feel like it's like cliquish, and they feel like they want your dorm to be like your short. They're real corny, but yeah, we didn't have any of that, so I couldn't even do it if I I wanted to. I couldn't do it, but super corny. I will say this, ladies. It is never, ever, ever too late to join a sorority. They have alumni organizations that are for those of us, or because I joined as an alum, for those of us who didn't have an opportunity to pledge in college. So you have your four-year degree, you can go for it and do it as an alumni. And secondly, before we get off this conversation, while Delta is a very nice organization and AKA is a very nice organization, there is absolutely nothing like Sigma Gamma Rho. I have an application for both of you. We can talk about that after the end of the show. Um, first of all, I 100 <laughs> I 110% would have been a Delta. Like, it's not even a question about it. Like, I just already know. Y'all just didn't know no better in college. Don't worry about it. You know, y'all didn't know no better. It's all right. You're just, you're just keep wearing your blue and gold. Um, With that, fans, again, we have a lot to talk about in the show. We are going to talk about a lot. You know what? Let's just go ahead and push the first quarter. First quarter. All right. Well, guys, uh, this week, LaChina took it upon herself to reach out into the Twitterverse 
to ask some of our Twitter friends to give her some ideas for topics for this week's show. And I don't know if they're psychic or like how they knew some of the things that they were asking about and talking about a week ago would actually still be relevant today because there were a couple that I was like, okay, y'all must have some form of ESP to know that this is what was going to happen this weekend in the WNBA. So we're going to call this quarter our embrace debate Twitter style. Okay. So our first comment from Twitter or, or suggestion from Twitter comes from Sporting SJB. And he said, I know it's way too early to be asking this, but the Aces, everyone crowned them champions before the season started. And they do have all the pieces. So how come they can't close out in a tight game? So we're going to ask you guys what's going on in Las Vegas. They've lost the last three of four, Phoenix, Connecticut, New York. They only won against Atlanta. Dev, you picked them to go all the way. So you holding a real L right now. What is going on in Las Vegas? All right. So I already knew this was coming because y'all couldn't wait for this moment to hand me this L. That's fine. It's okay because I'm still riding with my Vegas. It's it's hard. This is a hard league, okay? And at the end of the day, they are not closing out games. They they aren't. They're still a little, little young. Latana brought this up when we first picked our pick for the year. And honestly, I didn't think it would be this bad. To be honest, I felt like they had lost enough to really start to try to turn that corner, and that has not been happening at the beginning of this year. But it's still extremely early. Like, they have some new pieces. They're still trying to figure some stuff out. So I personally think that they will be fine. However, after the New York game, they definitely got to clean some stuff up because that game, the other two, I felt like they were close and they just didn't close it out at the end. But New York, I felt like they were just honestly just real sloppy all around. Um, they were taking really tough contested shots and giving New York easy buckets throughout the game. They had a lot of lapses on defense um, that led to easy points for New York, who is a very hungry team right now because they hadn't won. Um and they've had. And it was the Bill Lambeer revenge game. Exactly. They, so, New York I mean, was ready for that. Exactly. So you already know they come into their, this game like ready. So I think that they. I don't. I think Vegas underestimated them a bit in that way, um, thinking that you know they had been losing and it could just be like any other of those games. But you could tell that New York was tired and they were over it and they wanted to get their win. And I think Vegas just. They have some sloppy turnovers, unforced, um, and just defensively, I just, they had a lot of lapses. And, you know, the W is all about tendencies. And when you're giving people, they, like, open shots in, in the ways that they like to score, <laughs> you're not going to come back from that. And so I just felt like that was an all-around bad game for them, whereas the other two were just kind of like, okay, like, you guys didn't close these out. It was a good game. Um, but that one, I, I, I just, all around, I didn't think they played well. But I feel like they're still in, you know, in a learning experience right now. It's still a very, very long season ahead. So don't don't get all excited now. Like, oh, Vegas ain't turning out to be all that. Listen, it's early. I still have hope <laughs> in my aces. So it's, it's too early for y'all to be talking like this. Okay, I mean, y'all, lot of... y'all know better. You had to do a lot of explaining. That's all I'm saying. Listen, you had to do a lot listen, of explaining. Here's it's what, early. 
here's here's what here's what's going on okay and it brings me to an interesting discussion and i'd like to know your take on this dev because i always wonder what happens when wnba players don't play in the offseason right so there's one asia wilson who was last season's rookie of the year south carolina gamecock she averaged 21 points per game last season right now she's averaging 13 points per game Last season, she was shooting it at 46% from the field. This year, 43% from the field. Her numbers are clearly down. The field goal percentage not as much, but we're talking about, what, set roughly seven less points per game. Now, yes, every team every year is different, but and, and they're still finding their way as far as their chemistry. They're working Liz Cambajan, but Asia went 2 for 10 from the field against New York. 2 for 10. Asia Wilson is too good. So she's clearly going through a sophomore slump, which you see happen. So I guess those are my two observations of this is, is this rust because she did get injured in the off season. And so I don't know how long, honestly, she had to go without playing, but other players were playing competitively. So they're, they're in a little bit more of a groove, right? Or did that rest possibly help her? I mean, who should have to play an entire year round just to be in a groove? But her going two for 10 and her being the centerpiece of this team, when I had Las Vegas, she did not look like herself at Phoenix. Like, I was like, what is going on with Asia Wilson? She's usually really energetic, just didn't seem like herself. So maybe she's going through something. But at the end of the day, Bill Lambeer made it clear this is still her team. Liz Cambage is there, yes, but they spent an entire year last year pounding into Asia's head. This is your team. You're going to go. You make us go. And right now, she's not making them go. And so is it the sophomore slump? And no no disrespect to these other teams who are obviously game planning for her in a good way. Or is it what we're seeing possibly with Elena Deladon? I mean, Elena Deladon usually takes the season off, but she's off to a slow start. Maya, when she took a season off for the first time, she got off to a slow start when she returned. So I may be pushing it with that theory, but my idea at the end of the day is once Asia Wilson gets back to form, Las Vegas will be fine. Two for 10 from the field is not Asia Wilson. I mean, two things with that. For one, offseason is really just dependent on the player. Like, for me, I know I'm a player. I have to have somebody kind of holding me accountable. Um, and so I always had a trainer, a skills coach, and a strength coach that had me made sure I was in there and doing what I was supposed to do because I know I need that to push, you know, to my level to work out and make sure I'm doing everything that I need to do. So that's completely dependent on the player and their drive and if they're able to do what they're supposed to do without somebody over him, and if they all need somebody over him, if they're making sure that they have somebody. So that, I don't know, but that's 110% on the player and how they operate. Now, what I will say about the whole sophomore thing is that Asia got away with doing the same stuff a lot last year, a ton. And like I said, the W is about tendencies. And nobody was stopping her tendency. They allowed her to go left on everything. They allowed her to do the stuff that she does extremely well. You're not going to get away with that two years in a row. (laughs) It's just not going to happen. The fact that she made it through last season the way she did with nobody stopping her, I mean, honestly, she played amazing last year, but people were flat out just not paying attention to the scout and not doing what they were supposed to do on defense with her. And I think this year people are obviously paying more attention because of what she did last year. I think I don't think a lot of people expected her to play 
that great. And now they, they have, you know, eyes on her. So, yeah, once you start to pay attention to them tendencies and taking them away, you, that's when, like, you really got to start separating yourself as a player because once they take away what you like to do, it's like, okay, what do you have next? And I think there's a little bit of that going on as well because people know, know what she likes to do now, and they're taking it away and making it a lot harder for her. I, I agree with all that, and we'll, I can, I'll, Tariq, I know you want to want us to move on. We got a lot to get to, but I just want to close this out with this too. I also believe that teams felt severely disrespected by the Aces going from not making the playoffs to the GMs picking them to win it. So I think people are coming for their heads off top. Like, listen, this is not going to be as easy as you think. You know, we've all talked about the lack of experience. So I, I, I think, honestly, that the bar was set a little bit too high for Vegas, and that's not their fault. But now they got the bullseye, and I think that could also be another factor. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that because you know players absolutely pay attention to that stuff. Oh, sure. yeah, for sure. All right, great way to open up our Embrace debate from Twitter. So our second topic comes from 14 underscore CK. Caden Krawchuk, and he says, number one on your list should be how good the Mystics have played and how teams should be looking out for them this season. Caden ain't lying, ladies. I mean, they're four and one. They're right behind the sun, which ironically is the only team that they've lost to this year. Their chemistry seems to be right there. They've got solid leadership. Um, just seems like Washington has kind of been the forgotten team. Um, based on how they performed last year in the finals, there are a lot of people who said that the finals was actually the semifinals between the Storm and the Mercury that they kind of dismissed Washington coming into this season. And I think they're putting people on notice. So, LaChina, how should teams be looking out for Washington right now? Let me just say this first and foremost, okay? Because the, the disrespect kind of has to be put into we, – we got to address this, okay? The only reason why – people are saying that Phoenix and Seattle was actually the the finals of the WNBA last year is because Elena Deladon was not healthy. Yes, she did push through that Atlanta series, through the semifinals to get them to the finals, but it was very apparent in the Seattle series that she just wasn't herself. I mean, she played well, but she just was not herself. And we all know you need to have all players clicking on all cylinders in order to win a WNBA championship especially when you don't have home court advantage. Now, the the part that people forget is that Washington had success against Seattle last year, and I believe they also had success against Phoenix in the regular season. So healthy, the regular season numbers speak for themselves. So we got to put that to bed. The, the thing about this season that's scary when it comes to the Washington Mystics is, as I mentioned earlier, Elena Deldon is not off to a great start. I'm sure by the time I finish this rant, I'll have her uh, her statistics pulled up. But she's not playing her her best. What's happening with Washington is scary because they are not – Ariel Atkins, I don't even know if she scored the other night against Dallas. They are not at their best in terms of their scar- starters, their performance, um, their chemistry – But they're still winning because they have depth. Tiana Hawkins came off of the bench the other night. I think she had 20. We don't talk enough about her improvement. In fact, they wouldn't have got over the hump in Atlanta last year. I was there without Tiana Hawkins. Shatori Walker-Kimbrough is coming for people's heads this year. 
I mean, when you watch Washington, she looks like a completely different player. Now, obviously, there's a lot of space and opportunity that's opened up with the departure of Tierra Ruffin-Pratt, with Monique Curry being gone. And then keep in mind um, that their rookie is injured. So they have, like, some pieces that have moved and shifted. And so now there's space and opportunity for Satori Walker-Kimbrough, for whoever else wants to come off the pine or was a role player and really make a difference. And so I think more than anything, Washington is showing strength like we haven't seen it. I mean, Ariel Powers against Dallas, now that is a revenge game for her. But, I'm, what, she have 20 close to it? Um, her and Tiana so, Hawkins combined for 39 points in that game. I mean, that's crazy. Ooh. Those are two players off the bench combining for 39 points. Kiera Leslie, that's her name, NC State. But, so at the end of the day... Mike Tebow has a lot of offense. This team can knock down the three. Emma came. Emma left. They're still winning, <laughs> is what I'm saying. Latoya Sanders probably doesn't get enough credit. One of the best defenders in, in this league and can knock down the shot on the pick and roll. Like, this team is just, there really isn't anything they're lacking. Natasha Cloud against New York was unstoppable. Like, every night they're being led by someone different. You take somebody away, okay, got you. We'll be right back. We're about to go to back to the bench. We're getting ready to reload. Like, this team is, to me right now, the most dangerous team in the league because Deladon, again, has not had her best performances. She had 14 points against Dallas, 13, um, 12. Like, these are her numbers. 13 against New York, 12 against Chicago. That's not Elena Deladon. 4 for 14, 5 for 14. So when she does show up and these other people have their chemistry and they've got their their confidence, I'm sorry. But um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I might have made a mistake on my preseason pick. <laughs> Second time she didn't try to backtrack, Dad. And Christy Tolliver. <laughs> I mean, God, let's not forget Christy Tolliver. A WNBA champion comes to Washington and then takes them to the finals. Winning is obviously what she does. So you got all of these pieces. And, and a team that's low maintenance. They're so low maintenance. They just go out there and work. Okay, I'm done. I'm going to let Dev have it because maybe maybe she thinks I'm tripping, but I'm about to, Phoenix about to get left. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, China, twice. Come on, man. You got to stick with your people. I'm, I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> I need Diana to hurry up and come back. That's all I'm saying, DT. Come back. I don't even have a lot to say about them because League Pass been acted a fool, and I haven't even been able to see them play. I have seen these scores, though, and based off what you're saying, it's terrifying that they're not even gelling yet, like, as a whole and they're blowing folks out like they are. I feel like besides what, they lost to Connecticut. Outside of that, they, they've all been like close to 20. And they lost games. to Connecticut without Elena Deladon and Christy Tolliver got hurt in that game and couldn't play. So let's, let's that add that to that. game as a whole, they just, they looked awful. That game I saw, and they looked terrible. But since then, they haven't been embarrassing people. And if role players are stepping up and they have that type of production coming from the bench, once they start clicking, like mid-season, it's going to be a problem. That's going to be a serious problem. All right. Look, we put it down <laughs> on Washington. We put the alert out there, so don't say we didn't tell don't, you. Who, don't who sent that in? Who sent that in? That was from Hayden Crawchuk. Okay, Hayden. 
fourteen underscore ck. So we we hear you for real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we we hear you. One of our last ones that comes from Twitter. Um, this is from Mini Me Twenty One, and let me just say, Mini Me Twenty One has been a fan and follower of Around the Rim since we began. Is so 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 dedicated to um to our our podcast and our content and i just want to say thank you so much for that so appreciate the question um this is actually for dev so um the question is would be interested from dev how many games in does she feels like it takes for a team to start settling into an identity and what teams do you feel are on that track early on so when i read this question i kind of looked at the top of the standings and i know that it's early when i looked at the top five specifically you see connecticut up there you see washington second minnesota third la fourth and indiana fifth and there's a case that could be made for like connecticut being in the top five but did we see them number one did anybody see minnesota doing exactly what they're doing right now with no maya moore no Waylon, flynn augustus out um like who told them that they were going to that they were going to be this good? There are teams that aren't quite shaping up the way that we expected them to see, you know, positively and negatively, but are we jumping the gun a little bit? Like which teams can we say confidently right now are going to remain on the track that they're on? So Dev, we'll start with you. Um I will say that many is not surprising to me. Um as a player that has played for Coach Reed the woman is extremely smart, um, and she knows what she's talking about. At, at most, I was concerned with maybe her patience with younger players because she's so used to having vets that she doesn't have to worry about. But the, the woman's brilliant. Like, when it comes to basketball, she knows what she's talking about. So I wasn't – and they have a lot of talent on that team. So I – Honestly, I'm not very surprised with them. Um, they've clearly bought into what she's pitching to them, um, and it shows on the court. And so, I I mean, I thought that was going to be the biggest concern is if, you know, having players that are newer to the team and younger, and sometimes it takes a little bit longer for them to figure things out, that at most was what I was concerned with. But as long as she's coaching there and, and she gets players that listen um, – and do what she's asking them to do, they're going to be always going to be a decent team, regardless of who's on it, because she's that good of a coach. DC, they made it to the championship last year, but I mean, they have the same team. So didn't expect them to be bad. <laughs> I wasn't thinking about that as much. I was very excited for um, Vegas, obviously. Indiana was a bit of a shock for me, not going to lie, the way they're playing. I did not expect much from them at all. They're very, very young. Was not expecting for them to be playing this well this early and closing out games, really, um, and getting these wins. But to answer the initial question about the team identity, I feel like if you don't have it figured out by, like, maybe a, a month and a half into the season, basically where you are then is kind of where you're going to be. Unless you're a team that has a lot of vets and you can figure it out, like like a Phoenix who can have a trash season and come back in the playoffs and just blow everybody out the water. Most of the time, what you've been doing in them first month and a half, two months, is what you're going to do for the rest of the season. And that's what I said it like earlier, back to tendencies and like how people do and the stuff that they're doing and the mistakes that they're making and the things that they're doing well it doesn't change a whole lot throughout the season. So 
I mean, it'll be interesting, especially in these next couple weeks, to see how teams start shaping out and who, because I think then it'll start really seeing who their identity is and when you'll start seeing more trends of what they're doing well and what they aren't um, by then. But if you haven't had it figured out by then, it's really difficult to change what you've been doing halfway through the season. It's really difficult. Like, if you've been doing something a certain way all that time, it's really, you're really usually not going to go back from that. I mean, it's so hard to tell in the WNBA right now because there's so many little things that just seem off to me. Like, I mean, we talked about some of them already in the show. Like, we've got players off the slow starts. We've got stars missing on different teams. So there's a lot of role-playing happening right now, like players that are trying to do things that they probably won't be expected to do later on. I mean, there's some people that are in position to kind of step up. I mean, Indiana, I feel so bad for them because, honestly, right now they have played some of the teams in the league that don't really have their footing, to be honest, right, early on. So that helps your record. The teams you really want to be playing right now are the teams that are expected to get their stars back later in the season. Like, you want to play Phoenix right now, right? They don't have Diana. Or you want to play Minnesota before they get – uh, this this chemistry with this great group that, that Cheryl Reeve has put together, or you want to play Seattle, assuming that Sue Bird is going to return at some point, or Atlanta before they figure it out, or Angel comes back. And they've just played teams that, you know, that just don't have it together right now, um, that are more, you know, bottom barrel teams. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking to see what Indiana is able to continue to do once their schedule beefs up. Um, but at the end of the day, they are a much improved team. I, I really like them a lot. They've got grit. You know, Natalie Achanwa, I think, is their leader, which is interesting to me because it's so hard to lead from the post. But she, as you know, Dev, just has that attitude about her. And Erica Wheeler has been outstanding. I mean, I, I can't talk enough about what she's done. But in general, I just think it takes teams a, a little while. I, I don't know. A month and a half seems like a long time. Like, But it just depends. I mean, do you have players returning from injury? Do you have players that are playing, that have international things going on and have to come back? Like the WBA is such a hard season to grasp when a team is going to hit their stride. But those that have the most experience are eventually going to hit their stride. Experienced teams just, to me, always have the advantage. All right, then. So we just want to say, number one, thank you guys so much again for sending in your Twitter questions. Continue to do so at Around the Rim Pod. Um, you can also send them via email at Around the Rim Podcast at gmail.com because we do get some of our listeners who send in their comments via email and we appreciate them. You can always bug LaChina directly at LaChina Robinson. You can always bug Dev directly at Miss Peters 14. Um, be cautious if you decide to bug Dev directly. <laughs> and you can always follow me at she knows sports underscore. So with that, we're going to head into our second quarter. Second quarter inside the huddle. All right, fans, it is the second quarter, which means we go in depth. We are going inside the huddle. And in a moment, we're going to talk about a rookie that I don't know that many people had on their list for Rookie of the Year, the WNBA, none other than Nafisa Collier of the Minnesota Lynx will be joining us. 
But before we get into the conversation about Nafisa, we are going to talk about the Minnesota Lynx, who took on the L.A. Sparks this past weekend, a rivalry that we've all um, started to love. I mean, over the last few years, some outstanding basketball played by both teams, though both rosters are very different. Candace Parker is still out with a hamstring injury. L.A.'s roster is different. Obviously, the addition of Chinea Agumike is huge. Uh, Minnesota's got a total different look. Simone Augustus is out right now with injury. Rebecca Brunson still listed as concussion. Um, we send our thoughts and prayers out to Rebecca. But Lindsay Whalen um, also retired, which is what we want to get to in a moment. Um, and Maya Moore, who is, is sitting out this season. But Let's recap a little bit of that game, and it had a lot to do with Chelsea Gray. Well, Chelsea, you take a hard blow to the head. You missed part of the third quarter, but how did you come back on fire in the fourth quarter? Um, you know, just a very hard effort by our team. You know, when I was out, I didn't really know what was going on. I was in the back a little bit, but we got down, got stops. They got some old boards and easy putbacks, so we got to watch film and get better in that area, but... Awesome win for us right now. We're going home with a win, so I'm I'm excited about that. What is it about you and these dagger shots that you continue to hit against one of your greatest rivals in the Lynx? You know, I think that some of the best players love the ball in their hands at that moment. So I'm just uh, taking it in stride, and my teammates have confidence in me, and I was able to knock it down. It gives your team a winning record, but more importantly, a win on this court for playoff consideration. How important was this for you guys to kind of get your groove back? Yeah, every team we play, we try to. It's like a mini series. So right now we're 1-0 with uh, Minnesota, and I'm just really proud of our effort and coming into a a great environment. It's a playoff atmosphere here every time we step on the floor. So really proud of their fight, effort, and um, consistency down there. All right. Another piece of the Chelsea Gray legacy. Thank you very much. Thank you. So very exciting game. Obviously, L.A. won that 89 to 85 in Minnesota and Minnesota are the four time champs. Right. So mm-hmm. put, give respect where respect is due. Can I also just say real quickly, first of all, shout out to Holly Rowe did that video. Uh, excuse me, did that interview. She was on the game with Ryan Rucco and Rebecca Lobo. Uh, but can I just say that Chelsea Gray, the way she starts talking, reminds me of Magic Johnson. Like, I swear. And it's not because it's L.A., but if you really listen to, like, how she talk, I don't know what it is, what the right word is to describe it, but it reminds me of magic. Anyway, I know Cheryl Reeve has to hate Chelsea Gray because she is the Minnesota Lynx killer. Like, no BS. Um, you heard Holly allude to that in her interview, but Chelsea Gray just seems to hit every big shot against Minnesota. And it's usually at Minnesota. Uh, so it's a rivalry that obviously – Uh, She loves to play in. And again, I mentioned both teams very different, but that's a good win for the L.A. Sparks, especially because they need more help on the perimeter. Tierra Ruffin-Pratt stepped up in that game with 17 points, uh, which I thought was big. And then Raquana Williams had 25. Uh, Marina Mabry had some bright spots. Keep in mind, they are also right now without Elena Beard, who is out with injury. So missing her leadership as well, uh, the reigning defensive player of the year. But at the end of the day, it was a good game. It was a fun game. But it was also about Lindsey Whalen as the Minnesota Lynx retired the number 13 into the rafters. And we just want to send our our love and our appreciation and our respect to Lindsey Whalen there. And I think Rebecca said this in the broadcast, um, you know, there has been no athlete in the history of Minnesota that's had a bigger impact 
on that state than Lindsey Whalen. Um, having gone to the University of Minnesota, taken them to the Final Four, won four championships with the Lynx. And if you know Lindsey, you know one of the nicest, most considerate, but most competitive people that you will find. I mean, you won't find a one soul that does not love her, that comes into contact with her. And obviously the head coach now at the University of Minnesota who had a, a, a good year, you know, even her first season as a head coach. But we know more big things will come from Lindsay. But just want to send our our shout outs to her and to say congratulations. Very, very well deserved and um, arguably the greatest point guard in WNBA history going yeah. up into the rafters. That's right. All right. With that, uh, we've got a little bit more to talk about the Minnesota Lynx. Tarika, I think you've got a guest for us. We do. As you mentioned earlier, we're going to be joined by Nafisa Collier, who's calling in right at this exact moment. Now, women's college basketball fans can't help but know Nafisa Collier as she is a NCAA champion. She is a two-time, first-time All-American Second team All-American in 2018. Just this past season, she won the Katrina McClain Power Forward Award. Um, just part of the UConn's great teams that they've had over the last four years. And she's doing amazing uh, this season. Yes, uh, leads all rookies in scoring uh, minutes, efficiency. She's ranked in the top six in all nine major statistical categories. She started all six games this season, and I know that you've heard about the 27 points that she delivered against mm-hmm. Chicago on the 25th, which is the second highest total ever for any player making their WNBA debut, only behind Candace Parker, which, I mean, if there's anybody else you could be second to, I guess Candace is all right, right? <laughs> not bad company to be in. It's not bad company. So welcome to the show, Nafisa. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Nafisa, we are so excited to talk to you um, because I feel like I've been talking about you for so long. But unfortunately, because I'm not as great of an analyst as some of my colleagues, I didn't get to call your games when you were in college. I actually did call one. I actually did call one. I think I called a game. It might have been your rookie, your freshman year. Did you play at DePaul your freshman year? We did, yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I did call that game. So anyway, this is my time now to talk about <laughs> Nafisa and to talk to her. Um, I want to start just with your background. If you could tell our fans that are listening where you're from um, and how you started to play the game of basketball, maybe a little bit about your family as well. Okay. I'm from uh, St. Charles, Missouri, which is like a suburb of St. Louis, but I grew up in Jefferson City which um, a lot of people make the connection because that's where Maya, Maya. grew up. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how I started playing was really random. I had played pretty much every other sport, and I was playing a softball game. And my first basketball coach came up to me and my parents after. She's like, hey, you're tall. You should try out for my basketball team. And, and you know, ever since then, I just stuck with it. <laughs> what? That's all it took? <laughs> pretty much. I was pretty open to trying different sports, so. I was in fourth grade, and I was like, okay, I haven't tried that one yet. Might as well. And were your parents encouraging? Yeah, they've always been really, really awesome. Um, I really admire the way that they handled both my brother and I. We both play sports, and every year they would ask, is this still something you want to do? And if we said yes, and they are like, okay, you have to give it your all. You need to work hard. You need to do this, this, and this to get better. But they never pressured us to do it. Um, they would ask us. They would make it our choice every time. So I really appreciate that from them. 
So it's you and your brother and then your mom and dad. Yeah, I have an older house sister. She lives in England. She's British, so I make her talk Ooh. all the time when I listen to her. That's a really nice, fun <laughs> fact I did not know. Now, we're going to yeah. get to this later in the show with you because it's a big thing right now in terms of the position you're playing in the WNBA versus what you play the Connecticut. But I'm always mm-hmm. curious, development-wise, growing up, like was there a position you played where you taught you know, different skill sets maybe to dribble even though you – had size did they do you like they did Mm -hmm. me and say just go stand under the basket um (laughs) what what did that look like for you as far as the development of your position and your skill yeah so when i i've always been tall so i was i was pretty much opposed um growing up but uh, my dad always you know girls grow early so he was always worried about that so i also like try to develop at the wing a little bit and then my freshman year of uh, sorry high school i was actually the point guard so, oh, wow. um, yeah, I've played a lot of different positions, but I think that's really helped because, um, even though I am taller, I'm not tall for the league really. So, um, I did have to go to the wing when I got to the wing. And I think having that, even though I didn't play it in college, having that experience before, um, it made the transition a lot easier. Now, speaking of college, because there are a couple things about UConn I need to know. First of all, I need some dirt on Katie Lou and Gabby. And I know you got it now. What What is it we don't know? What is it like being their teammates? Are they weird, funny, like they got any little quirky things about them? Give us, give us the scoop. Um, I don't have any dirt. They're, they're my best friends on the team. So they are definitely weird, quirky. Uh, the only thing I can think of is Gabby is like scared of feet. So if you bring her your feet anywhere near her, she freaks out. But <laughs> what? So we did it all the time. <laughs> I don't like feet either, honestly. I definitely don't like them touching me. Nothing yeah. on Katie Lou. <laughs> she hates it. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, nothing bad. The one thing that I really like about her is she will literally literally try any food. Like we would go to nice restaurants and things and. You try all the stuff that no one wants to try. So I thought that was cool because I definitely am not that person. Oh, okay. Well, that's probably Tarika on our podcast because, yeah. trust me, she'll eat just about anything. Why you got to throw me under the bus like that? Because every time I see you, you posted something the other day. You were like, mmm, didn't know we were, they were serving these shrimp anymore. It's like some big, no, no, this was like a you big like shrimp burger. Grits, girl. I know you do. <laughs> no, this was like a big burger looking thing. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, I do. What was it? It was a big beef burger and it was pulled pork and hamburger with cheese together. Oh, oh my God. I mean, that just sounds disgusting. <laughs> really, Tarika? Pulled pork and cheese? I was I was sleeping <sighs> 10 minutes, I promise. We'll, ha- we'll have to get back to that. But Nafisa, what about you food-wise? You do anything special with your nutrition, uh, you know, as a basketball player? I am start- I'm trying to. I'm trying to get better. Um, I didn't do a whole lot. You know, I tried to stay away from, obviously, like fast food all the time, but I never really was strict with my diet. But mm-hmm. everyone does it makes you feel amazing, so I'm trying to be better. Yeah. Hey, Gabby had everybody trying to jump on that. Uh, I don't know if she was vegan, vegan. or vegetarian. Yeah, yeah, vegan. Oh my gosh, especially at me because she's I'm, an incredible athlete. I was like, well, if I can get a little bit of that, I'll go vegan. Okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm definitely not going vegan. I like meat. I'm not going vegetarian or vegan, but I'll just try to make it healthier. 
Yeah, that's always the best way to go. So I will say, I feel like over the last year or so, you're actually the last couple of years, you know, especially at Connecticut where you guys maybe weren't winning the national championship and people were down on you that you kind of had this, at least in the way you played, like prove doubters wrong type mentality. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. let me just say first and foremost, Kara Lawson is probably your biggest fan. She was like, I would take the Feast of Collier first in the draft. Now you ended up going <laughs> six in the WNBA draft, but people were like, okay, y'all are sliding the FISA. Or, you know, there were times even this year where you guys weren't performing quote unquote up to par when you were at Connecticut that people were like, oh, you know, UConn's not going to win. They're not going to do this, not going to do that. What has kind of mm-hmm. been your take to the doubters, not only, you know, of your team, but also of you coming into the league? Um, I mean, ever since, you know, the, quote, big three left my freshman year of, you know, Stewie, Tuck, and Mo, people have kind of been doubting us, and every year we kind of came back better and better. And uh, that was just kind of something that you got used to. I mean, it was our third year by the time I was a senior of people saying we weren't going to be good. So that part was uh, really easy to kind of, you know, keep out because you know what you're doing in practice every day. You know the work you're putting in. You know how you're getting along with your teammates and things like that. Um, but personally, I mean, the way that I play is it's not really showboaty, so I'm not doing, you know, those kind of things. So I've kind of, I feel like always flown under the radar. But, um, you know, I have a lot of confidence in myself and I don't need the validation from other people. So as long as... Um, I have faith in myself. My teammates know what to expect from me. My coaches, that's really what's most important to me. I know that's right. Well, guess what? You are on the radar now in a big way, <laughs> and everybody's like, dang, you know what? Oh, I should have picked Visa for my rookie of the year. You got me saying that. I'm not going to lie. I'm like, dang, can I go back? I've tried to change every preseason selection that I've made, so don't worry. Um, I, I'm not the most accurate pick. But why has your – transition to the WNBA in your opinion um been so seamless thus far uh I think honestly um my work ethic is the same as it was in college I'm still doing uh, you know trying to get rebounds trying to work hard on defense and that's really what picks you up especially defensively um just being really aggressive getting your defense going always gets your offense going so uh, that's something I really try to work on when I was in college um is to get my defense better, and I noticed when I was better on defense and I felt more confident on offense, um, I was more aggressive and things like that. So just keeping that mentality, I think, has really helped um, transition me into the league. And what have you had to do differently moving positions from power forward to small forward? Um, Well, defensively, I have to get up in people, which is something I didn't have to do as much in college, especially on the perimeter. Uh, you're always worried about people beating you, and obviously I'm still worried about that, but um, you just really have to trust your post players and your help, and that's something I've gotten a lot better at, but um, it's definitely hard to guard people on the perimeter. Yeah. Huh. So that was an adjustment. <laughs> you think? I mean, honey, let me tell you, the first step of a Tiffany Hayes or, I mean, players like that on the wing, I know. and I'm like, what in like so I couldn't quick. even you can't even get your I listen I'm not even out there I can't even get my my eyes adjusted to guard somebody <laughs> okay <laughs> watching the game so I know it's not easy being out there I mean and that's what you know you hear people say coming into the WNBA it's going to be quicker faster stronger like how mm-hmm. did it compare to what you expected Well fortunately I was with uh USA a little bit last year so I got um 
to kind of get a look at how professionals played, and those were the best professionals, you know, at USA. So I, you got to kind of see what it was like, and that was really like um, a wake-up call. Just not only the physicality and the pace, but mentally is the biggest thing that – I think that's the biggest transition for a lot of people because you have to think so much smarter. You have people who have played in the league for, you know, years and years and years, so their experience and their basketball IQ is so high that mm-hmm. I think that's what is hardest for new people to catch up with and it's something that you have to adjust to really quickly. Yeah, we, we talk about experience a lot on this show and how you just can't make up for it. You know, I mean, you know that yeah. being going from a freshman to a senior at UConn, you know, like any any time you're in a situation where someone's been doing it longer than you have, like it, it take it's those little nuances that they learn and how mm-hmm. to guard different schemes, you know, pick and roll guarding and even pick and roll scoring and, you know, which is big, mm-hmm. obviously, in the WNBA a huge part of it. Now I, I do have to ask you to help us make a comparison um, between the coaching styles of coach Gino Oriema and coach Cheryl Reeve. <laughs> what are the differences uh, playing for those two, two of the best? Mm, the differences are actually pretty alike in what they expect from their players. Um, and I think that's why most of programs have had so much success is the level of expectation is so high. Uh, the difference is, I think Coach Reeve, um, she kind of bounces back from what we do wrong a little bit quicker than um, Coach did in college. Uh, she's really good at, you know, we mess up, we got to move on, we got to learn from it. And obviously, Coach is really big with that too, but I think he stayed on it a little bit longer than Coach Reeve does. You think? I'm still drawing it into the next game. And remember in that game two weeks ago, I told you. Remember when you were a freshman and you did this? I'm like, it's been four years. Oh, he goes back to freshman year? Come no, on, no, Gino. Kidding, but... I was going to say, I'm going to have to get on him when I see him for that. I had to get on him. <laughs> uh, if you have to name one of your most memorable moments at Connecticut, what, what would that have been? Um, Obviously, winning a championship was really memorable, but – uh, this past year when we won the Elite Eight, that was that was really a special moment for us because um, the year had been really hard. Just, you know, we lost, we only lost, what, two games, but it was more than we lost in a regular season and all the time I've been there. So <clears throat> just going through practices and on and off the court things, and um, it was a really close game against Louisville, and we had worked really hard in that game. We worked hard up until that moment. So winning that, it felt really amazing. Yeah, I mean, come on now. That was some high-level basketball. You guys, I was impressed with just the way, the attitude that y'all broke in. After they gave y'all that two seed, I was like, oh, you know what? It's about to be on. (laughs) Oh, I know y'all were. (laughs) Trust me, we know y'all were. We were like, listen, they are hot, and they are coming for everybody's necks, okay? (laughs) Like, that was made very, very clear. Now, Nafisa, before we let you go, I, of course, have to be the person to start some stuff, okay? And so I want to know, and I'm sure our fans would love to know as well, which of your former teammates are you looking forward to most just dominating when you play them that are now also in the WNBA? I mean, clearly Chicago. (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? I mean, I know that's your bestie, but I mean, and then it could be, you know, doesn't necessarily have to be in the same draft class, but just who's a former teammate that you're like, look, I can't, I can't wait to see you. Uh, in the beginning of the season, it was Chicago because 
Um, those are, like I said, those were my two best friends on the team, so mm-hmm. I definitely wanted to play well against them. <laughs> but um, other than that, I mean, it's going to be really weird to play against my seniors. So, uh, like, Dewey's not playing this year, but when she comes back, and then um, Mariah Jefferson when she comes back, and Morgan Tuck, playing against them is going to be a really weird time. I'm excited to do that. Oh, that is going to be cool. I How about know. that, that both Mo, Jeff, and Stewie are out? I just I thought know, about that. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, especially, you know, how good that class was. Well, Nafisa, yeah. you have a lot of fans out here now. They're called bandwagon fans <laughs> uh, that are jumping on after the start you've had in the WNBA. Good luck. Uh, we look forward to watching you the rest of the way and come back and visit us soon. Thank you so much. We appreciate your time. You too. Third quarter scouting report. So we are getting ready to go into our third quarter. And for this week, I thought it'd be fun for us to play a little game of word association. So I'm going to throw out a topic or a situation. And I want you to tell me the first word that comes to your mind about this situation and why. So the first thing that I'm going to throw out is Brianna Stewart has been named the WNBA ambassador for this season. Dev, what word comes to your mind when you think about that? Crap. (laughs) A load of it. Okay. Disclaimer. Stewie is a wonderful player. And she deserves all that she has coming to her. And she's worked really hard, and she's built her brand in a way that she deserves it, right? Also, her agent is Lindsay Tagawa, and she's Lindsay is brilliant. I, she's I a bulldog. She's great. I love Lindsay. She's awesome. And she clearly worked her magic with this. However, the fact that all of this was done and nobody knew about it, Number one. Number two, we are in the middle of a CBA negotiation where players are talking about money and making more of it. And Mark Tatum, who is an NBA guy, he, I, I get he's in the room right now, whatever, but he is an NBA guy. And the NBA right now has done their best to put out random tweets, say all this foolishness about there's no money. There's no this, there's no that. You're you're extremely broke, you ain't got this and that. Where did y'all come up with $65,000 magically out of nowhere with no discussion with anybody to pay Stewie to be a brand ambassador, which you cannot even explain what it is. Like I I don't like I am happy for Stewie that she's able to be in a position like this, but this is crap from the W. Because, first of all, you can't, you know this came out of nowhere and you just happened to make up this position for Stewie because you can't even tell people what it is. You still cannot define what this position is, what it entails, what she's going to be doing, none of that. You just miraculously came up with this idea and then want to say, oh, no, it's going to be available to other players and we're working to make it into this and that. No, it's not. No, it's not. You cannot tell me that you made up a position that you want to be available to players later on that you don't even know what that position is. With money that you said that we don't have. I, 
it's just mind-boggling that they, especially right now, at all, like, of all the time, that you would come up with something like this now, with all the injuries that are going on with players, with all the stuff that has been happening, and right now this is when you decide to come out with this and give a player more than she would be making in her regular salary to play for this just random made-up position. Like, it's just, I, I don't think, I think that, honestly, they really right now are just trying to cover themselves because it looks bad. It looks bad that one of the star players of your team or of your league got hurt playing overseas because she does not make enough money in the league at home that she should be making more money in. And I think right now that timing-wise, it looks terrible on them, absolutely terrible. And so they were trying to find a way to clean it up. Like, look, oh, we're helping. But it contradicts everything that they have been pushing about this league for the past, what, six months? <laughs> like, I honestly, it's just unconceivable that they, like, I'm happy that they did this, and I would hope that it would be something that they were doing more often, but I just don't believe it is. I don't, I don't believe anything that's coming out of their mouth right now. I don't think that this is something that they're trying to make into a consistent position for players. I, I, I just don't, because you haven't even done the research on it. You haven't even put any background to it. You didn't talk to anybody about it. Nobody knew this was happening. Not Seattle, not the union, nobody else in the league, the the team, nobody knew about this. It just came out of nowhere. So I, I just, my, my eyebrow is definitely raised. I, I mean, I don't even know what else to say about it. I think it's, it's just a load of crap. And I, I don't think it's fair to the other players that have been going through stuff and, and fighting through injuries and everything else that they probably shouldn't have and have to sit out when they probably shouldn't have. Um, I just, I don't think it's right. And I don't think it's fair. And I don't think they're going to do right by it and do the right thing and make it a position that's available to players that have a sim- situation similar to students. So I'll try to be brief on this, even though my, my, my feelings aren't brief. I'll just be honest. They're very complex and very conflicted because I like Dev. I, I love Stewie as a player, as a person. And I understand the importance of growing the WNBA brand and having her engaged and involved and keeping her around things that are happening with the league this particular season. But I don't like it when processes are circumvented uh, for convenience, you know, like any other time we talk about how many things the WNBA have to be changed through the CBA or this has got to go through the ownership because they meet and they talk about a lot of things. GMs like there's a voting. There's a process to everything in the WNBA. And from what I understand, this Stewie ambassadorship was not put through that process. And when it first hit, I remember Michelle Vopel, first of all, credit to her. She was all over it. And she wrote a a, a very nice article with a lot of the details of it. If fans want to go and really read what this whole issue is about, because we don't have time to get all the way into it here on the show. But Michelle Vopel wrote a a great article on it. And there were there were a couple things. Number one. Yes, there is a process that was circumvented that did not take place for this. And what and the problem is basically that Stewie's getting paid outside of Seattle's salary cap. So they basically she's not on their roster, so she doesn't go against their salary cap, but they can still pay their player. And that's a problem because we had a situation in the offseason with Christy Tolliver 
where she was not allowed to get paid for being a full-time NBA coach because it was it would have gone against the mystic salary cap. The teams that have a NBA and a WNBA team under one window, that owner in this case, Ted, he can only pay what the salary cap allows him, whether Christie is working on the NBA or the WNBA side. So she was tapped out and didn't get paid. But there were no exceptions made for that. So I think it's just, and Dev laid it out so well, the transparency would be appreciated. That is what I think really kind of bugs people at this point, and that the announcement was made in haste. They did not know what she was going to be doing at that point, but because Seattle was going to be moving her from the roster, and the reason, you know, some people would say, well, she's not on the Seattle roster, you know, officially, so it's different from Christy, but Seattle still has her rights. Like, she's not going anywhere. No other team can have access to her. So she is still under their umbrella. So anyway, I, I know we got to move on because we got to let Dev get a word in on another topic real quick. But at the end of the day, we love you, Stewie, but some ain't right. All right. Um, Second topic. Want to know what comes to your head? Raquana Williams remaining on the Sparks right now after facing um, domestic violence charges had a heck of a game uh, against Minnesota on Saturday as well. Uh, Dev, what word comes to your mind when you think about this? Ooh, I think for me it's messy. Um, I, I read what they said happened in the altercation. Yeah, Tariqa, do you um, have that? I what do. Is- so, um, yeah. To make the long story very short, um, there was apparently an altercation between her and an ex where um, the ex claimed that she allegedly came into the house. Um, she grabbed the uh, grabbed the girl by her hair that they um, were. She was very physical with her. And uh, there were several other gentlemen who were there. And those gentlemen were uh, said it took them about 10 or 15 minutes to try to pull each other off of them. And that she went to the car, came back with a firearm and basically threatened the men that were there. And so there was um, a court date that was scheduled most recently. And the um, her attorney was able to get that court date um, moved up until July 3rd. Um, so she did not appear in her most recent court date. Um, and it's just very interesting um, for me, it's very interesting because usually when this type of things happen, I know in other professional sports, they, as you want to give due process, which is what the spark said in a statement that they are going to let the law, um, take precedent and they are going to give due process to let the courts, you know, do their role and play their job before they make any decision on their end. So I'm just interested in seeing how you guys feel about that. As we know, um, in other cases and in other professional sports, sometimes when domestic violence charges um, are alleged, they either decide to cut a player or they um, take other, other, other ways to handle the situation. So. And Dev, go ahead. But there was also a gun involved from what I understand or allegedly. There yeah. Was that's a gun what I said. Involved. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Go yeah. ahead, Dev. Yeah. I think, I think it's a little odd. Um, I, for me, I agree with LA about allowing due process to happen and let them figure it out. But I don't believe she was signed at the time they found out about it yet, or was she? Do we know that? I don't think she was. And then I, think I don't they think signed she was. No, nope, she wasn't signed yeah. at that time. She was exactly. signed afterwards. Yep. 
And so I feel like they could have let it play out before they picked her up, if that was something that they wanted to do. I just think that given, like you said, Tarika, like with the men's side in certain situations, we expect them to handle it in a certain way um, and there to be at least like players having to take a minute to let that stuff play out. Um, And for us to be expecting that from like the NFL or whatever else, the NBA, whoever side, and then not do it on this side when it happens, I don't really think that's fair. Um, And I think they were in a unique situation because she wasn't signed. So to sign her after it happened, I think looks really bad on LA's part because they could have let it played out. And when it got decided and she was, if she's exonerated or whatever else, then pick her up and be like, look, everything got played out. But I think picking her up at the beginning of the season, after all of this came out, it, I, I, I don't know that I was comfortable with that. I think they should have let it all play out and then figure out what's going to happen. Because I, I mean, I just think it looks, it makes them look bad right now because it's such a serious charge too. It's not, it's not something that's light at all. Um, so I think if they were going to give, you know, her that benefit of going through the due process, they should have let her um, because they didn't have to sign her at that point. Um, and it wouldn't have really affected anything. Um, here's my thing. My problem with it, and this is my way that I think about this in professional sports in general. You're on a platform where kids are watching you play. And if you watch Raquana Williams play against Minnesota, she was outstanding. She played very well. If I'm a kid, and first thing I do is go to Google. I'm like, ooh, I like her. I want, I want to know where she went to school. I want to know more about her. I want to play like her. And the first thing that pops up is this. That's a problem for me. Mm-hmm. Okay? That's a problem for me. So you shouldn't be given a platform until that kid, and, and not to say that this won't still pop up, but at least it will say she was proven innocent, but not that she's currently facing charges. I mean, how do you explain that to a child that comes and says, mommy, mommy, the girl from the Sparks, I want to play like her. Who is she? And then goes to Google and you got that stuff on there? Nah. Like, I, I don't feel good about that. At least you can stand on two feet if you're L.A. once she's exonerated and say, you know what, but those charges were, you know, were dropped or whatever. Because those things happen, right? She totally could be innocent. I mean, who knows? I, I have no idea. No clue. But that is my biggest concern is that we're, players are on a platform. They're, they're a role model, whether you want to or not. And that's not to say your life is going to be perfect. I mean, when you go look at Diana Taurasi, you're going to see a DWI on her, uh, you know, on her record or a DUI, whichever one it was. But you're going to see those things. Players live. I mean, you go Google any of us. If you could, if my life was on Google, <laughs> I'd be in big trouble. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I just think, making sure that those charges are dropped or that she is proven innocent, just going that one extra step before that kid does watch that game and say, let me go find out more about her. And it reads about that whole mess that Tarika just described. Like I, that would sit better with me. I do believe in due process, but for the reasons that I just explained, I wish that, and even for Raquana, because there are going to be people that now are looking deeper into her life. There could be some people that may not even have known. If these charges are not true, 
Okay. Say that they're not true. And she's playing on this platform on national television. And now somebody knows a little bit more of what they think they know about Raquana Williams because they're going to Google to find out more. Like, is that fair to her? I mean, and I, I know she obviously had a, a say in this decision, but that's not cool either. I don't know. Uh, that That's my take on it. It's a very tough situation and, 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 you know, it's a problem as Tarika mentioned, we've had in several different sports. So it's not just happening in the WNBA. It's happened a lot in the NFL and other places. And I would have to go back and look at those cases to see, you know, were those people proven guilty before we started to put them on the cross? Because I know that I was somebody that was like, Hey, he need to be cut. That that phone conversation with him and his wife when he said this and he admitted to that and da, 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 da. like I am that person who's like how are they gonna pick him up I'm that person yeah I understand that a hundred percent and I know I'm one of those people who really hate to see people in general tried in the in the court of public opinion before having their due process in the court of law to determine whether or not they're guilty or not or not guilty of something but I do also think that um. Every team has a responsibility to their fans. And unfortunately, when you have the privilege, because it is indeed a privilege, it is not a right to play in the WNBA or the NBA or NFL or any other professional sports league. It is a privilege to play in these professional leagues. And that unfortunately and fortunately means that you're held to a higher standard. There are certain things that regular folk like myself can do and get away with that somebody like Rakana Williams cannot. And therefore, when you put yourself um, in situations, whether they are true or not, just to be in that situation, um, you kind of put yourself in a bad spot that you now have to figure out how to maneuver out of. And so whether these things about her are true or not, unfortunately, she is in this situation. And I think the Sparks owed it to their fans and owed it to themselves and, and owed it to her teammates to kind of allow her to to kind of get through these things before bringing that kind of attention to the team. And then honestly, it's not, it doesn't seem as if that, you know, there's any distraction to the team per se. They're playing well. She's played well. So I don't want to, you know, put a false narrative out there like the team is somehow suffering because she's still being allowed to play. But there are other people in the league who have faced similar situations there are other people in the WNBA who have been a part of similar situations and you have as a as a team you have to figure out how to maneuver yourself to where you are allowing the law to do their job but also you know upholding the integrity that you should of your fans and of your team and so I like both of you mentioned I think it would have been great for them to allow this process to play out before signing her And even having that conversation with her to say, hey, listen, you know, we want you, but we want to see how this plays out because it's not personal. But from a business standpoint, we got a name to protect and we have a team to protect and we want to make sure that we're doing things the right way. We want to give you this opportunity, but, you know, we need to make sure that things are good on all fronts. And I don't think that that would have I don't think anybody would have looked at them any kind of way for that. All right. We are trying some new things this year, as you can see with our podcast. And I think playing like little games and having little fun, things like that is a it is a way for us to get into various conversations. So thank you both for uh, playing a game of word association. But Lachina, I know there are also some other topics in our scouting report that we wanted to get to. 
Yeah. So first and foremost, um, I just I had a crazy week last week and a lot of personal things happening. Tarika knows a little bit more about that. I'm not even going to get into all that. But uh, one of the unfortunate parts of that is that I didn't get a chance to attend the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame induction, which happened in Knoxville this past weekend. And I was very, very, very much looking forward to being able to attend because I have some very dear friends that were inducted and people who have been instrumental in my career. Um, Just to kind of run through the class really quick, Beth Bass, um, Carolyn Bush Roddy, uh, Joan Cronin, Norlin Finch, Tisha Pinachero, Ruth Riley, and Valerie Still were all inducted. Um, I am very good friends with Ruth Riley and, and also friends with Tisha Pinachero. And um, we're talking about two women who not only competed and had success at the highest level, but two contributors to the game that you can't even put into words how much they've given the sport. Um, I, I still my earliest memories of watching basketball were Tisha Pinachero and Old Dominion. I mean, I used to I I didn't even know that these games were on and I guess because I was in the state of Virginia I don't even know what channel they were on I used to get to watch their games and I was just in awe I mean those are some of my earliest influences uh in basketball and Tisha to me and I tell this to her all the time she was the best passer in the history of our game hands down like I don't even want to have a conversation about it but now that she's even gone on beyond the game, I can't tell you the number of players she's told that have told me that she's mentored them throughout throughout their time in the WNBA. She's made so many players better being with them on the court. But now she's moved on and she's an agent. So she's still giving back to the game. Um, one of the most stylish people you'll ever be around. That girl can dress her tail off. Um, but her story and her background and how she came to the United States and made a life for herself. And it's just an amazing, amazing story. Um, so definitely want to send a shout out to, to Tisha. And then also Ruth Riley, who, who has an amazing journey in its own, you know, who this weekend talked about how her early days of wanting to play basketball came from, you know, watching her television. And we all remember her with that headband uh, when she was playing at Notre Dame and winning the national championship with Neil Ivy and, uh, you know, Ruth going on to the WNBA and, and Detroit mm-hmm. and just being an outstanding player on every level, but also professional. I mean, you talk about someone who put a lot of work into the Players Association, the early, you know, those years of the WNBA where they needed leadership um, to help build the CBA, to help build the Players Association. I mean, she took her gloves off and really got in the trenches in a lot of that work. Um, you know, Ruth is also, as you know, I mean, she, she's in the community all the time, does a lot with NBA Cares, WNBA Cares um, on a global front as well for the NBA when it comes to community initiatives. And she's also got a great story, talked about, you know, just growing up with, with not enough, you know, I mean, her background and, in, in, you know, what her mom did for her growing up with what they had. I mean, just a great story. So I encourage people to get to know both Ruth and Tisha not only in their basketball accomplishments, but their backgrounds, because you talk about fighters, two women who um, have made the most of every opportunity they've been given. So wanted to give them some love. Um, Norlin Finch, someone else who means a lot to me. Um, when I first got my an internship at the ACC after I got out of college, Norlin was then an administrator at NC State. And 
Um, the ACC has had a lot of administrators retire, like those that really put their their imprint on women's sports in particular, but just all of athletics like Nora Lynn. Um, I believe Jane Miller is, is retired now from from Virginia. Love her. Beth Miller a few years ago from UNC. Um, you know, it's it just it, across the board. We're seeing Chris Dawson, Pac-12, some of the women that have helped to get collegiate sports for us to where it is starting to to retire. So I want to send a shout out to Nora Lynn and then also to Beth Bass, um, who was used to be the CEO of the women's basketball, the WBCA, and just for everything that she did to grow the game, Joan Cronin at Tennessee. So a lot of trailblazers. Um, I think the AIAW was also in the, in that group of Hall of Famers, but I didn't get to go. I felt bad, devastated, definitely wanted to be there, but I hear it was a great celebration. Debbie Antonelli was the MC. Um, so let's keep building all levels and remembering the legends of women's basketball. And really quickly before we finish out this segment, Speaking of legends, I just want to send the congratulations out to one of our Around the Rim friends, mm-hmm. none other than Swin Cash, who reports are coming out this morning that she will be joining the Pelicans as a senior executive um, a front, in a front office position. She's expected to be named vice president of basketball operations and team development, which is huge because there are not a lot of women and there aren't women of color in those positions in the NBA. And so, Swin, we just tip our hat to you. You're so deserving. You've given your life to sport. And um, I know you will kill it in New Orleans. My sister, just so proud of you. And, um, yeah, keep raising the bar. Now, behind Swin, we expect there to be more women in these places, in these spaces, getting these opportunities. So, Swin, we'll miss you on the WNBA side. But you are a trailblazer um, and a true visionary. And we're happy for you, girl. You know, I think with uh, all of these phenomenal players starting to um, make their moves into the NBA and in spaces like that, we may need to have a segment on the show dedicated to uh, hearing what these women are, are, are doing and, and how they are transitioning into this male dominated arena and what aspects they're bringing. So I think they're giving us a new show segment, LaChina. I think so, too. I mean, we've talked about it a couple of times, but I could see it coming to fruition. Okay, okay. Well, here we go. We are moving into our fourth quarter. Fourth quarter. Out of bounds. All right, basketball fans, that is it for our show this week. But um, in our out of bounds segment, we just want to say thank you to all of our supporters. Um, Tariq and I are just living a dream with this podcast. We are grateful for Dev and her contributions and we just want to continue to hear from you get feedback make sure you subscribe to around the rim rate us comment if there are things you want to hear us talk about or address let us know um if you have bad things to say about the show you can tweet to rika oh. she is at she knows sports <laughs> underscore i am at la china robinson dev is at miss peters 14 and our around the rim has its own twitter handle at around the rim pod 
And we have an email address for the old school people. <laughs> that address <laughs> is around the rim podcast at gmail.com. Um, so yeah, we just want to thank you guys for your support. What else, Tarika? You got anything else? Um, out, what else out of bounds you got? I don't really, always out of bounds. I don't really have a whole, whole lot to go out of bounds with this week, but I do, um, want to put a little bit of a challenge out there for, our around the rim fans so we have expressed in the past how much we love being able to be around the fans talking to the fans actually having these discussions with the fans so i want the fans to tweet the around the rim pod uh twitter handle with places and activities that surround whether it's the WNBA, whether it's college basketball, where are some places and activities that you would love to see the Around the Rim podcast? Now, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm saying, can we get the idea from you guys of where you'd like to see us do some more live or remote podcasts? And maybe, just maybe, we can work with the powers that be to make it happen. But I just want to know from you guys. So tweet us at Around the Rim Pod. Where's some places, activities, whether it's the All-Star Game, whether it's the WNBA Finals. Like, let us know. Where would you love to see the Around the Rim Pod? And uh, and, and, and we'll we'll check it out. Tarika got all the pull, bottom line. So, yeah, <laughs> let Tarika know what y'all want, and I'm pretty sure she can make it happen. But we are looking forward to having more live shows and just doing some different stuff, thinking outside the box. Yep. You know, let us know what you want to do. Um, that's it. Watch games this week. Make sure you're checking out the schedule on ESPN.com, ESPNW.com, WNBA.com, wherever it is. Make sure you're watching WNBA games. And we'll talk to you next week. Audi. Thank you for listening to Around the Rim. Check out more podcasts from ESPN on the ESPN app.